Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Eat This, Drink That, season two, episode three, with my boys, the crew, the squad, Ali Khan, famous celebrity TV host, and and our local wine beverage expert who just bought a crap ton of wine yesterday, Steve Greer. We're going to have Steve Greer kicking off this episode. Steve, what is your drink that for today? So we're leading up to Thanksgiving. Um, I wanted to pick a region that was kind of a smorgasbord of types of wines, flavors, reds, whites, etc. cetera. Uh, it was easy to go straight to a river. So these are the rivers of wine. This is basically part one, but it's one of my favorites. It's the Loire Valley, which is basically the bottom of the upper third of France. It runs from, it runs east to west. And it's, yeah, so just below Paris. And it runs east to west the middle. East. Let's just yeah. say, <laughs> Let's say the middle. The upper yeah. third yeah. is also known as the middle. <laughs> Let's go with the middle. <laughs> um, and it runs basically the center of France all the way over to the western coast. But the range of wines is insane. Oh, I'm looking it up right um, now. I see. That's okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and there's something for everybody. Now, because it's kind of in the middle of the you know, the continent, um, weather and climate are issues. Sometimes the grapes can't ripen all the way. There's a lot of hedging of bets that happen. So they'll make sweet wines. They'll make sparkling wines. So if it's a vintage where the grapes can't ripen very well, they're, they're going to make sparkling. Um, you're hedging your bets in the different zones. And I kind of break it up or people break it up into four portions of the uh, river. But there's whites, there's reds, sparkling, sweet wines. There is uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Chenin Blanc, uh, Milan de Bourgogne. And I know I mispronounced that because I always do. It's Muscadet. Um, I'm missing Cabernet Franc. Wow. And then a bunch of other weird kind of, even some Pinot Noir is grown through there. There's Malbec, which is called Cot. I always think of Spain. Malbec, yeah. I always think of as Spanish, but also yeah. in the Loire Valley. And this is all a big river, right? Yeah, it's all a river. There's great rivers all over Europe that are wine-growing areas. Okay. So the Mosul in Germany, the Rhone in southeastern France. Okay. Even the Danube. Um, and then, I mean, I know, oh, uh, we did this in episode season two, episode one. We talked about the Duero, which is from Porto all the way to close to uh, Rioja. And then the uh, Ebro, which is Rioja, um, that goes all the way down. I think it dumps out at um, near Barcelona. Hmm. And so there's great rivers all over. And a lot of tradition goes into growing grapes on these rivers. Water regulates the temperatures a little bit. Um, in the case of Germany, you might have some sun reflection off the river that allows oh. a little more ripening because that's a very, very cold climate. Sometimes the grapes struggled to ripen. Mm -hmm. yeah, granted, a lot of these 
former rules are kind of changing because of global warming. Areas that couldn't ripen every single year are ripening every oh. single year. Wines, they're changing some of the way they're making the wines, what grapes they're growing, etc. But, but for the most part, Valley, this is an area where the weather is tricky. I mean, I always figured yeah. with wine, like in California, wine does so well because the weather is like pretty chill, pretty consistent, yeah. more in the sweet spot. Yeah. But Europe, which is kind of known to be the land of wine too, the weather is harder to deal with, more cumbersome, yeah. more of a burden. Yeah, you might have a lot of cloud cover, so there's not a lot of sunshine. You might have frosts. You might have hail. Which um, I think that benefits northern northern, northern California, country. right? That the the fog that's involved is why there's um, Sonoma mm -hmm. and Napa and and Russian River. So that's a river in California. That's yep. the only thing I can reference in my mind is as far as a river sort of a terroir. Well, that's why uh, Caneros does so well with Chardonnay and Pinot Noir because the fog goes up there. Mm. It keeps the temperatures from getting too high. Right. Um, the San Francisco Bay is a big temperature regulator. And then northern Anderson Valley on your way up into Mendocino. I've been to Anderson. Right? It's a lot of cloud cover. It's cold. Um, Pinot Noir does really well, but it's a totally different Pinot Noir than, say, Russian River Pinot Noir where the grapes ripen. Um, so temperature, weather, and climate have a lot to say in viticulture. So weather is just what happens today and climate is what happens on average over, you know, 10, 20 years. So Loire Valley, um, tougher to predict. How, how do they make great wine if the weather so is tricky? You have different areas. So let's go all the way to the right, the far east. Uh, that'll be the first of the four quadrants. That's Sancerre and Puy Fumé. So these are the famous Sauvignon Blanc appellation. Um, then you go into the middle middle right, uh, that's Bouvray. This is Chenin Blanc, the home of Chenin Blanc. Then you go over a little bit towards the West Coast, Anjou, Cabernet Franc territory. And I'm being very generic here, so we're missing a lot of other appellations that are going on. That area uh, around Anjou, they also grow Chenin Blanc for okay. sweet wines. Um, and then the far left, over on the West Coast, Muscadet, which is the perfect wine for sick, uh, having oysters. Wow. I mean, it's perfect. Any Isn't sort that like of a dessert seafood. wine? No, it's very dry and bracing. What? They even, wow. most of the, yeah, most of the whites will do muscadet, they'll do surly. So on the dead yeast in the whatever tank they did the fermentation, so that you're getting a little bit more texture because otherwise it's pretty bracing. And um, these wines, throughout the Loire are a little more delicate, lighter to midweight, very good acidity, um, and really perfect with food. But I also, you can sit and just sip these too. Sauvignon Blanc, uh, especially Sancerre, that's been popular for decades in yeah, the United yeah. States. And that's, that's a cocktail wine, um, as well as a food wine. So I did, I bought a lot. Um, Here we go, here we go. Yeah, so I don't really have these um, right to left from territory, but I'll, I'll start to grab them. I have a couple Sancerres. So Sancerre and Puy Fumé. These are the Sauvignon Blanc, and it's a different Sauvignon Blanc than, say, Bordeaux 
or where they blend it with Simeon and they can be kind of weighty and um, How is it waxy? different than a Sauvignon Blanc I get in California or New Zealand where it's like... I was just about to say the best uh, difference is New Zealand because that's the quintessential Sauvignon Blanc for most wine drinkers. But, and New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is very good. But it is more jalapeno. It's so when, like the, the New Zealand, uh, New Zealand went and said jalapeno. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when New Zealand, yeah, when it first came out, the phrase was gooseberries, or no, cat pee <laughs> on a gooseberry bush. There is no. You're telling me wine people said that cat pee yes. on a gooseberry cat bush. Cat pee's got like yes. ammonia, in right? Fact, so there's a there's an alcoholic sort yes. of there's a nose thing going on yeah. with the cat pee. Boxwood is a better Much descriptor better. <laughs> and once people realized that not everybody thought cat pee was a uh, good thing to have in wine. They, For they the majority of Boxwood. everyone I just want to say I can't believe what I'm yeah. hearing right now. And also Crosby, way to like chime in and be like, you have the ammonia. For real? Like, I can't believe you know that much about cat that's probably Listen, the most you only need thing. your cat to pee on your backpack once before school to know about the smell of cat pee and i'll leave it at that fair enough i've never had a cat and that makes a lot of <laughs> yeah. sense and actually i should understand this because i literally had to clean up dog vomit an hour and a half ago so i know what that's like center console it's right it's right so next pungent. to the car seat anyways yeah. so it's funny um, there was a winery that came out with a label called Cat Pee on a Gooseberry Bush, early 2000s, and it had a cat on the label peeing on a gooseberry bush. Can you was imagine the funny little where people were like, is this a mistake? Because I'm about to print 300,000 of these. Right. Like, I don't That's remember incredible. it lasting very That's long. Incredible. It didn't stick around. I can't remember the producer either. But that was the fun phrase for New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc when they're just taking over uh, the world. Um, it's easier to just say New Zealand is a little riper uh, Sauvignon Blanc, whereas Sancerre is a little more bracing okay. and more mineral and more citrus nice. instead of ripe fruit. As a grape grows and, you know, depending on the climate, you know, it goes from more citrusy and floral. And as it ripens, it starts getting more tropical flavors all the way across the spectrum. And that's from the ripening of the grape. So when you say New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is, is riper and hence yeah. more tropical. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, I, I mean, I'll just throw it out there. When you mentioned some of these wines, I have had them. I had have them usually. Uh, if I would go out to lunch with my dad and we'd be at a nice cafe and I'd be having something like, like a real, like a chicken sandwich and ciabatta with like sun-dried tomatoes and goat cheese. I'm, I'm in the nineties right now when goat cheese and sun-dried tomatoes and chicken sandwiches yes. were a big deal. Yes. And we would have like, you know, one of these bracing wines and they'd be this white. And it was to me like, like a bit crisp and basically not like a lot of like, fruity this or that and then when i think about those new zealand wines 
New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs. And they're, in general, pretty similar compared to, like, that buttery Chardonnay, which I find it such a wonderful contrast and a relief mm -hmm. from, right? But there's something about that New Zealand wine you said, like, it's kind of cocktaily. You know, you can just yeah. drink that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, these other ones, like... You know, you can drink them, but they're super light. You know what I mean? They're more refreshing. And they are killer with food because it doesn't like, I don't know, it just it just plays so well. You know what I mean? It's like when my dog behaves. You're like, man, I just want this to happen. Just chill, man. Just chill. Just lay down. Don't throw up in the car. Just chill. Um, so you bring up a really good point about consistency across a area. So New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is mainly Marlboro. Until you get up into that 20 to $30 range, if you're below $20, all those wines are gonna taste fairly similar. Mm. You don't really have to worry about the producer. You can get higher quality Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc, spend a little more money, and it is another level. But in general, these are consistent. In some place like the Loire Valley, Ooh. there are producers that aren't as good. Their plots aren't as nice. There's not um, the consistency of ripening. In places like this, I like to pay attention to the importer because the importer bases all their success on that importer's name. So someone like Kermit Lynch in the Loire Valley, you know you're oh, going cool. to get something very, very good. Um, so I did. I bought Kermit Lynch um, Bone Imports, as in the region of Burgundy. So B-E-A-U-N-E. -E. Uh, Peter Weingent, I've been familiar with for 30 years. His wines are always uh, consistent yeah. and very good. Um, I have, um, what else? So Kermit Lynch, Peter Weingent. They all sound like villains. They have a, a monocle. Yeah. And then uh, Rosenthal. <laughs> Peter Wagner yeah. especially has a monocle. Yeah. He has two monocles. He's, uh, he's from Pennsylvania. I think he's like um, outside of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, and then some Neil Rosenthal. Uh, I got one from him. He's I never thought he made that up. That's yeah. a real name too. Wait, this is cool. So Neil Rosen, this is what a fascinating way to identify what wine is, is worth the money. The importer. Yeah. That is the yeah. real move. I would call it a tip, yeah. but tips yeah. are just like cheap things. People call it's a hotline. This is this is this yeah. is inside insider baseball right here, baby. <laughs> so Kermit and Lynch. Peter Weingut. Peter Weingut. Uh Neil Rosenthal. Neil Rosenthal. Um, Very. Now, what you know, you, you you brought up something super fascinating. You basically said, like, yeah, twenty bucks, you should be okay uh, with a Marlboro uh, Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. What about this yeah, stuff? And we're talking about Laura. So everything here that I bought today is twenty five and under. Um, I can't fire. remember. I still there apply this be, to music, uh, like. You know, like producers uh, and directors yeah, and movies, and you know, people just watch the movie, but then you find a geek about someone, I'll be like, of course that song was good, so-and-so produced it, or of course that movie was good, so-and-so directed it, and most people don't have any clue who's producing or directing a movie or a song, so this is really fascinating stuff. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. I have a Louis Dresner. 
um, which is another, he's kind of over on the edge towards the natural wine movement, biodynamic, uh, organic. They can be a little more funky, but his, this Muscadet, uh, which I'll get to towards the end, uh, this is Sir Lee, so it's on the Lees, but it's a single plot. Um, and yeah, I gotta ask, as you said, you know, this wine stuff, so it's so, there's so much to it. It's so by far, so dense. What, what do you say? You've said this whole thing a lot. Single lot. What does that mean? Single lot. Oh, so, uh, single vineyard. So, you know, you go over to some farmer's house and you see his little vineyard over to the right. That's his, he might even have a name for that vineyard. Some of these guys might farm 15, 20 different plots. You're hedging your bets again. You're making sure that if there's very variations in the weather that right. year, hail hits over there on that hill right. um, across, you know, a well, couple miles guys from are, you. They're, they're you're, commissioning you're grapes from other um, places, right, often. So a single lot would be a guy that's sticking yeah. to his own thing, to main, mainly. Okay. Yeah, and I can't remember, I think... The Jonier from Kermit Lynch, which I'll get to. This is a dry Chenin Blanc. I think this guy only rents, he farms other people's vineyards. And I want to say it's like nine to 12 different plots. Mm -hmm. I'd have to go back and uh, really study on him. But he just farms other people's lands, takes the grapes, and makes amazing wine. There's no way most people even know how to pronounce that. Um, or where it is, it's kind of north. Yeah, I'm jumping all over the place, so okay. I'll back off, and then we'll go. No, no, no. We'll, go I'm, 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 well, I'm gonna drive it because this is something super fascinating. Is is the importer? Yeah. Because you know, yeah. I'm looking at that wine. It's a little fuzzy, but I can make it out. Genial. Can you show who, who who's the importer for that one? Kermit Lynch. Okay, let's, let's show here. me a Rosenthal. Let's bring in Rosenthal. Uh, so Neil's wine is Neil. The, Neil. I like how he calls him Neil. Gino. I believe. I want to see you. And and what I really want no, to see is the label. This is Rare Wine Company. You put that, that one back. Hold on. And, and, yeah, you know, as long, I want to see, you know, I wanted to see these two labels. And the reason why I want to see them is when I look at this stuff in the store, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think this is the real... Huh. You know, issue here is you know you look at like a wine like that. You're like, well, right, there's a lot like of old pretty school old school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Seems like it, it just looks old and Frenchy. It looks yeah. Frenchy. It looks yeah. old. But now I can. I won't have to sweat because I'll be honest. I'm in the wine store and I'm just literally like a slave right. to the sticker. I'm a slave to yep. the sticker, and, and it's like you know maybe I, is it cool? Is it too cool? Do I want something mm -hmm. that just looks like Grandpa would be like? Yeah, drink that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we're not yep. trying to do anything too fancy. Now I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna read that back, and I'm right. gonna look at who the um, importer is now because mm -hmm. that especially especially for a region like the Loire Valley, where I mean. It's expansive. There's lots of different regions. There's lots of different grapes. And then within that region, I don't know how many producers are in Sancerre, but I have two right here. Um, there's a lot of producers of Sancerre. You don't know unless you tried the wines. And unless you have a wine shop that you completely trust, that you work with on a regular basis, and you know that person's 
tastes are comparable to yours, right? It's easier to go with an importer. And I lied. I don't have <laughs> Rosenthal. I have two rare wine company, and I have a bone yeah, importer. I asked, I asked, uh, I asked for Rosenthal. I got a bunch of uh, Kermit Lynch. Yes, I got a bunch of Kermit Lynch. Let's get on topic. Let's so get on let's topic go, here with you. Let's talk with your, quick, with your timeline. We'll uh, I think we're distracting you probably. Okay. Oh, okay. No, we're good. Will you hold um, those up for a, a second a bit longer, and Steve, with those man. labels? Why are these different? Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, here you go. go. So here's the Pui Fume. Okay. Pume meaning smoke. There's like a... There's an old school reference that all Pui Fumes have gun flint flavor to it. Um, I think that's a little different these There's days with so much ripening and viticulture better. So that's probably a, a good jump warming. off point for, yeah. Yeah. And then let's go Sancerre to Sancerre. Um, you might not be able to see this. Okay, cool. We this will, will post fuzzy. all the wines yeah. that I bought. See, that's, that's kind of cool and modern. And then the other one has got like kind of yeah. a drag. This is old school. Yeah, I got this from a company called Som Select. He's a master Som. I think he's got a whole group of people that taste. They found this winery. I've bought two or three vintages. I buy every time they release. They are the importer. Som Select is uh, out of Napa. Um, they send you an email. A oh, daily so that's email, a Sancerre like. from... That's a New World Sancerre. No, no. So the importer is based in... Oh, I see, I see. I see. Uh, so this is a different, totally different importer. It's an importer called Som Select. It's a daily email that you'll get. You look at it, you decide if you want it. You buy one bottle, six bottles, whatever. I always buy six bottles every time this vintage releases. This is excellent. I have a little 17 left. This is 18. By the way, this is 2017. Uh, the Pui Fume is 2019. The other fun thing about these wines, this these Sauvignon Blancs are going like to last inside a long of a time wine fridge and get better. Um, um, they will. Yeah, you should. Yeah, it, you don't want to put this fridge on the kitchen be too counter cold? and age it for 10 years. Okay. Um, yes, normal fridges. And the big problem with a normal oh, fridge is the humidity. It's too dry. It'll dry out the cork. So you could throw in a bunch of screw cap wine in there and it would be fine, but it's also a little too cold. Your refrigerator is usually set around 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. The wine fridges are 50 to 55. Okay. So, but you don't have to age these. These are more, you know, for fun if you wow. want to age them. These Sancerres are going to last 10 years easy. Um, there's a lot of acidity. There's a lot of freshness. Um, there's a tart um tartness on the palate um it's more citrus than riper jalapeno or tropical fruit like you would get down in uh new zealand say, what foods do um, you pair with this what you reference you cheese so the other great thing mm. yes the other great thing about the there's loire valley is the cheese the cheese is, in france Ooh. there's tons of cheeses so this is great. Ali referenced goat cheese with uh, some cool little bracing white wine with his dad at a restaurant. Yeah. Um, that's perfect. But this will also go up against a little more complex food. Anything with sauces, it's going to stand up. There's plenty of acidity. Um, and if you like 
bracing wines, you can cocktail with these. Can you? These are also great that with term to me a bit bracing. Like Maybe I, I kind of understand it. The more you say it, the more I'm like, I don't know what you mean anymore. What does bracing yeah. mean? So when you um when you drink something with a lot of acidity, it has that tartness on the side of your mouth, makes your mouth water, and it's bracing is just like it lifts everything in your mouth make you want to eat like more of the like those what's that that makes sense yes yeah 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 and actually talking about these wines i can taste them right now and my mouth is kind of watering like i'm ready to eat and i want a glass of sancerre and I'm going to kick back and chill. I think Wimpy um, had this problem when you talk about so hamburgers. Steve too. Like I guess yes. would like <laughs> uh, you mentioned the cheese, so I um, guess you would probably want the steak or the meat products that are creating these cheese cheese in the same region to have with these wines. I'm, I'm assuming all this stuff goes together. Like you. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest okay. way to always think about food pairings and wine. What are they eating in that region where that wine was produced? Right. Because I, I don't know what was first, the chicken or the egg, but usually the wines and how they make them and drink yeah. them pair well with I'm the I'm curious about the oyster thing, for example, which you're getting um, to, which is like, you know, I don't cheese. think of oysters so, or maybe coastal stuff as being che- as cheese-oriented. So I wonder if those wines go less with the cheese in the oysterville. Right. For lack of a better word. Very good point. I don't even know if they make cheese over uh, in that region of um, the Western Loire Valley. I'm not sure because I just think of oysters and I love oysters. I could eat two dozen oysters and a bottle of Muscadet. Um, That's the other thing. These aren't super ripe or um, super alcoholic wines. So 12 and a half, 13. The Muscadet, I bet, should be closer to... 11. It's weird. This stuff's so complex, but then there's like a, a, there's like a one plus um, one equals two thing. You know, it's like, you're sort of like well, oh, the cows in the region, uh, uh, the, the wine, the grapes that are around it, the cheese that's being made from the cows. And then, you know, if on the coast, there's going to be seafood, you know, or like that, you know, so it's like, so I know wine is so complicated yeah. for people, but there's yeah. also such a simple formula to it on a level. If you really get down to brass tacks. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to find a great wine shop. That's how Ali and I met. You know, I worked at KL. So, if I, I, if I went to KL and, and I said, hey, I want something from the wines. Loire Valley, yeah. um, like the, 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 the guy at the wine store should just know exactly where to take you. High times. Yeah, yeah. And you're down um, in the OC now, so you have high times. Just go over to high times. Say, hey, I'm I'm here to, I want to try some uh, Loire Valley wines. I want a nice Sancerre. So let me throw this out there. I think this is where the challenge comes in. It's like, especially like French wine because of 
the identity we associate with French and food and French and wine. It's the good stuff. It's sophisticated. It's elegant. It can be, frankly, a little intimidating, right? And I think one of the things that we've had some fun with has been going, hey, you know, when we right. had that Lambic beer with an In-N-Out or drive through burger. So I kind of want to challenge you this. Like, I get it. Like, you're in France. They're making the cheese. Let's go to the western part of France. They'd be shucking the oysters everything's Ernest Hemingway and all awesome and lovely but let's just you know take one of these bracing wines right you know um yeah a Sancerre a Puy Fousset and actually yes so so out of, out of these wines I, I'll go Sancerre because that was the one that that would be like that like let's have a glass of wine with lunch that would and yeah. if there was a Sancerre I would get that it was just yeah. nice and um you know, a bit refreshing, if you will, and, and something you could kind of enjoy. It felt, it felt like a quality kind of wine, right? What else could I have in there besides, you know, like some sort of, say I'm not at the bistro, you know what I mean? What's like another kind of food, perhaps more on the comfort scale, perhaps something just way off in freaking out of the Philippines. Yeah, what, what else could you have I wouldn't go over all the way to steak, but you could easily do I, fried chicken's going to, as long as the fried chicken's not Nashville hot. Okay. It's going to be Kentucky great. Fried. Just straight chicken fried sandwich. Chicken. Classic yeah, yeah. fried chicken. Yeah. Okay. Chicken sandwich. Yeah. Roasted chickens, even stuffed with gravies, more comfort food. Uh -huh. Country fried steak in the Sancerre would go really well. Okay. Um, you could even get into the pork dishes easily with those um all right you know with steak i want something with a little more muscle and tannins and um acidity i mean i feel like a steak. lot of people are simply just going to say this you mean a red i mean i think it's fair to say up yeah. to this point all the wines we're talking about are white wines right yeah so we're on white so far um we'll move over one little quadrant to uh vouvray and that jongier um, the one that I was telling you from okay. Kermit Lynch. But this is all Chin and Blanc. Different grape. Mm. Still high acidity. More neutral in flavor. Um, more honeyed and straw. Um, so not ripe. Not overpowering tropical fruit flavors. Chin and Blanc just has a lot of acidity. And it's made in a whole range uh, from dry medium dry, sweet, um, and then super sweet. Uh, these do not say it on the label, which that is one thing about French wine. And then you can probably put this into even Germany and Italy and all European wines. They don't really tell you. They should say sec on here. So S-E-C, um, meaning dry, but they don't. So you have to look it up or talk to the... Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the internet, you can look up every one of these wines while you're standing there and say, oh, this is dry. I want this. Unless you like medium dry or you want sweet, you can also find those too. Okay. So this grape is Chenin Blanc. We're just one little region over from Sancerre and Puy Fume. Um, you can just look for Vouvray. Like Chenin Blanc was sort of uh, introduced to me. I've, I've done quite there a few wine excursions. I've been to Marlborough, New Zealand, for example, and done wine stuff out there. And I feel like Chenin Blanc was taught to me as, you know, just sort of a step up from maybe the 
the basic American ones, uh, Chardonnay. You know, if you want to sort of expand your your knowledge of whites, Chenin Blanc was kind of a, a good starting point to yeah. to get a little deeper. Uh, at least from my experience, I don't know if that. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it took probably, off in I South Africa, heard of it and in, they called in, it Steen for a little while, but now uh, it's Chenin Blanc on all the labels. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, oh, that makes sense. Yes, you did. Of course. Yeah, because it was the white grape for South Africa, and it took off. Um, and Chenin Blanc is the wine geek, that sommelier <laughs> that, you know, runs over to the table and just wants to talk to you about something super cool. Like that story I told you of the L.A. restaurant where he told me, what was, oh, we had an assertico, <laughs> and he said, that assertico is very gun. pedestrian. Yeah. Okay. So that song would be all about Chin and Blanc. Um, I, I, it's I thought kind I of the wine geek there. wine right now. Interesting. The, uh, all right. Yeah. So Shannon Blanc is. Yeah, you are. So You're, in the, You're in the You're in the. Into this wine. We kind of said, threw out there, Asantia would be great with like, now I'm thinking like cold roast chicken, right? What am I eating with the Chin and Blanc? Ooh, yeah. chicken salad oh, that's sandwich. Got, that's got mayonnaise Ooh. in it and stuff, right? It's got yeah. a little more umami. Yeah, than yeah. You could get into a little more. Yeah, okay. rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's really because the acidity in these wines, I mean, there's a lot of acid in these. These are even, maybe even a little more bracing, or at least the perception of bracing, because the fruit over here in the Sauvignon Blanc might feel a little riper on the palate in Sancerre and Puy Fumé than in Vouvray or Jaunier. Um, I, I forgot to tell you an interesting thing about Sauvignon Blanc. There's some weird qualities to Sauvignon Blanc that it's not always just the region. There's these precursors mm -hmm. inside the grapes that specific yeast strains will bring out. So, uh, and they've done, there's a whole... World Where does yeast get involved in, this, uh, in the process? On Sauvignon Blanc and all the geek Sauvignon Blanc producers. It somehow brings out a specific quality because the yeast can change. They can be cultivated or natural or um, they'll bring out that precursor that is sitting inside the Sauvignon Blanc grape and bring out a specific flavor. So really it's just uh manipulation to a degree like oh well i grew this sauvignon blanc over here but i want it to taste like yep. this i can throw in this yeast strain to bring out that flavor precursor so there is some other cool things about sauvignon blanc that um, mm -hmm. people around the world work with that's why you also want a traditional producer but Sancerre and puy fume are going to have a little more richness you know past the you know It'll be citrus, but a little more ripe perception on the palate. These Chenin Blancs are going to feel definitely more uh, elegant, a little more uh, neutral and linear with this great acidity. Um, these wines will easily last 20 years in the cellar and totally change and become more honeyed um, and more um, textured on the palate. But Perfect to sit around and also food wine. 
chicken salad sandwich with one of these would be amazing. So I got to ask you, you said I'm going to keep this around for 20 years. Not <laughs> sure if I'm going to have a chicken salad sandwich with the wine I've been hanging on to for two decades. No. Can you? No, no. What about, I'm going to just get crazy here, but maybe this would be weird. What about salmon sushi? It's like salmon. You could, you could take some of those. We could go back to our conversation on subtle food. Um, uh, delicate. It wasn't the word you used, but um, subtle. Subtle. Yeah. Subtle and delicate sushi first comes to mind. And Chenin Blanc or an aged Chenin Blanc or a Sancerre are perfect with sushi. I could eat sushi and seafood all day long. That's um, wild. Every day. Because you know, yeah. you, you, the assumption is like, Beer and sake, beer and sake, beer and sake. Oh, no. That's no, no. what I wanted to get into something different. And I feel like my salmon sushi is like, you cannot even be that much of a sushi freak and be like, yeah. Steve, have some salmon sushi. Steve, would you, you say that Chenin um, yeah. right. Blanc Toro, goes with a greasier, you know, something richer sort of cuisine? Would that go with, um, would that go with more of the fine dining uh, quality of stuff? Okay. Yeah. Oh, fine dining for sure. Yeah. Um, some fish dish, you know, on the second or third course yeah, in a five nice. course meal where it's got a really it's nice right, sauce. I feel like, the, you know, again, Chinablanc maybe to, to get too with simplified with stuff, right? Is that maybe if you yeah. have a more subtle dish, maybe just sort of a, 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 a roast chicken, like Ali said, you might want a more flavorful wine. Whereas if maybe you're doing. A, a really fine dining thing where they're going to probably put yeah. too much butter or, or whatever, something where it just has so much flavor. You might want to have a dr uh, Chenin Blanc sort of vibe to it, a, a more acidic. If I had to oversimplify. Okay. Yep. You know what? Yep. I'll toss this yeah. one. I bet, I bet a good like fancy lobster roll with tarragon. I bet. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the zone. He was like, we're yeah. going to keep it linear, linear. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, I, I get it. It's like, it's not going to get too cray. We're not trying to get too cray. And it's like, you know, if you have like, for me, when I've had really good lobster rolls, and I'll be honest, I like, they're already mm -hmm. so expensive. You get the shuffled anyways. The ones I've had with tarragon are amazing. Because, you mm -hmm. know, like, you just really want to stop and say, you're eating something that's expensive. It's precious. It doesn't happen often. And you just want it to just be, you don't want to like jack it up. You don't want to be like, no. oh, honey, I put A1 on the Wagyu. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even if you like A1, it's like, no, nah, you shouldn't have turned it into that. Like make it seem as precious. You know what I mean? Like, you know, really be, you know, with, with a, with a very gentle touch. I feel like that's what you're saying with that Chenin Blanc. Like, it's a gentle yes. touch wine. It's not going to get up yeah. and jack up your food. And it's not to be eating with food that'll jack up your palate. You know, it's just like you're just walking this thin little line, walking that thin red line. I've been craving lobster rolls lately because I've had about three or four people talk to me about lobster rolls. They were just on the East Coast. They uh, one guy, he was um, just back in Maine to see family, and he's like, we ate lobster rolls every single day. Um, they were all $30, but um, who cares? How is a lobster, a whole lobster, less expensive than a lobster roll? I still haven't figured that out. Well, I know it's... I'll tell you. 
a whole lobster, first of all, you're you're buying a bunch of stuff you can't eat. A good yeah. lobster roll sure. will be the claw meat, which is yeah. by far the best. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. True. I mean, it's like they're they're doing all the work, you know? Like it's – although I will say this, my hot take, I think if you're just talking about picked over meat, don't sleep on that Dungeons crab. That is delicious. Oh. I almost think there's yeah. more flavor in the Dungeons crab. You know, and, and lobster's just a thing where it's like, I mean, there's red lobster. You know right. what I mean? Everyone knows. you. T- it's the one food that you just are supposed to dunk in butter. Like, that's considered the way to go. But, um, yeah, I just think the lobster roll, it's like they're you're paying for that labor you're getting hopefully yep. nothing but the good stuff and it is that claw that claw once someone said well you know the claw is the best part and whenever i've just like like let that hunk of meat just slip yep. out of that shell and the thing is like the tail's more firm isn't it right that yeah. claw is just like it's a little softer you just get that stuff, just claw meat, tossed in That's like sweet. fresh aioli and tarragon. Bring on the Chenin Blanc. Yeah, it's going it's to cost it. It's Chenin. It's and to be honest, um, Steve, I never feel disappointed after timeline. spending are, are $30 the on the lobster roll. In, in like, time? Oh okay. God, so freaking good. You know, I'll tell you sure. this, though. Oh, we're good. Let's, let, we'll move over. Inside the same, yeah, inside the same region is a red grape. So you're you're doing Chin and Blanc, but you also have Chinon. Um, so this is Cabernet Franc, the same Cabernet Franc that grows down in Bordeaux. Um, it's a totally different flavor profile, maybe less this, this, olivey. Is this and something more that herbaceous? someone could buy? If they I've never heard of that before. The pricier yeah. red wine. Yeah, these are 25, 30, um, depending on the producer. So you're still in that nice ballpark. I, you know, anything below 30, I think is, I'm not going to call it every day because cool. some people might only want to drink a $10 wine on a Tuesday, but you're still not out a lot of money. You can still, like we talk about all the time with preserving wine after opening, you can have a few glasses of this during the whole week when you only want a little uh, small glass. Um, these are different though. So less fruit, again, more delicate. Um, you're going to have more herbaceousness from a Chinon, uh, than ripe, you know, blackberry or cherry fruit. You're going to get some red fruit still, but you're going to get some tannins and you're going to get some acidity. Can you so, just, I know, I feel like I probably asked this a zillion times, but I'll always ask it because I'm, st- it's like, I get it and I don't get it. What does tannin taste like? Is that like what coffee has? Does coffee have tannins? Is that like- that drying sensation on the outside of your tongue or inside of your gums when you're drinking a Bordeaux or Got a tannic it. red? Got it. That astringency okay. is tannin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So with these, you want, you know, unless you age it, I just saw, um, a 1989 Chinon that was released, uh, like a library release to a specific um, importer. It sold out immediately. It was only sixty-five or seventy dollars. I didn't. Wow. I was working, so I didn't get a chance to buy one. Chinon will last a very, very. I long haven't time. heard of it either. Um, what are you eating that with? I'm, I'm, I'm. Frankly, I'm a little. I can't believe I'm, I've never heard of this wine. What am I? Eating? Yeah. So with this, you, I mean, pork, and you can go right into uh, red meats. 
Um, you could have this with a steak, easy. What kind of which um, steak? Which would that steak? Be Let's, or fattier. What are we talking? I like about? fattier steak with this. I'm stupid. But I love okay. pork dishes with this too. With, with um, steak, real, especially. Yeah. No, like a ribeye. You know. Yeah, ribeye. This is a, a salt and pepper um, ribeye with no okay. gotcha. A one. You know, we're not throwing A one on this ribeye. Ooh. Yeah. Um. And I, I love pork, uh, duck, a duck breast with this. Okay. And I love duck. Um, there, you have a range, but you do have to be slightly aware that this is going to be more of a astringent sensation on your palate. It's not going to be hmm. opulent and fruity and rich. It's going to be more herbaceous and um, subdued. And you, you want to aerate this you're going to throw it in the decanter you're going to have your nice meal and you're going to enjoy it so you know what <clears throat> i gotta say this i'm gonna throw it out there just get out of the fancy pants world we're in you know france red wine you know what i think if i had to pick the fast food burger to go with this because you said ribeye rich yeah and i can't believe i'm choosing this because i know it doesn't taste good but bacon cheeseburger i was thinking baconator which is but but it, you, you know, could do cheeseburger this. is just yeah. like basically when you order that you've just I said, had that for dinner last night i had one of those you know what i mean like it's dinner, like really like you're doing this to yourself well like no that, but like a double a, a fancier version i had like a, a bacon and blue like a bacon and blue cheese and, mushroom and caramelized onion sort of thing all right well I thought I just thought of bacon and burger. Yes. Nope. Yeah, that is not a baconator. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this would go well. It's it's so yeah. over the top, nice. but okay, cool. So that would yeah. be yeah. You could have a big fatty, greasy burger with this wine easily. I've never had um, a bacon. And then either. one little region over, the same <laughs> grape. Once. But I had a bacon. I had a bacon little wine burger that was in the uh, um, Anjou. Yeah. I, I needed that. I needed Steve's <laughs> wine with it. All sure. you. <laughs> I want to go eat one now. Yeah. You know what? That um, The movie Sideways really opened a lot of non-wine people's eyes that, what do you mean you would take a really nice wine, pour it into a paper cup and sit in a fast food burger joint and eat a big greasy burger? It's about the experience, the interplay between the food and the wine. There's no right pairing. Like, it's not. There are very few absolutes in wine. And there's definitely very few absolutes in food and wine pairings. You can have some generic overviews. You don't want to have a big, giant, tannic wine with delicate fish. I mean, there's going to be a chemical reaction there anyway that's going to make it uh, I think it produces like an irony flavor. I mean, you wouldn't want to do that. There's no complimentary thing going on. But that movie opened a lot of people's eyes because non-wine people love that movie. They quote it all the time. Um, they felt like they got some insider information because the wine world is not the most accepting to outsiders, or at least from the entry point. Um, people Let's not be pedestrian about it. Bingo. They're not enemy some. Um okay, so so shit on that's interesting. And then you said Cobb Franc. What let's talk about And then we're going just one region over. Um in this region you also have some other white um and some sweet wines being made. <clears throat> it's just one little 
bend in the river down. Anjou. Never heard of it. You can spend a lot less money for an Anjou, a quality Anjou, because most people don't even know what okay. this is. Um, so yeah. Is that a region so, or the grape? The region. The grape is Cabernet Franc, okay. again. Different soils, different um, exposures to the sun, different placements on the river and the vineyards. Chinon is just better known. <clears throat> Wine geeks love it. It's a little more expensive. You can just go right downriver, find, find this Anjou. You're still, still going to get a lot of the same um, characteristics in the wine. Yeah. You're still less opulent fruit, more herbaceous, a little more tannins. Not quite the tannic structure of a Chinon, but you're still getting some tannins. Still ribeye. Um, still ribeye. You could still go all kinds of directions with this. Um, I have cocktailed with this wine, but I don't mind a little more astringency and, um, you know, I don't mind that. Uh, and a little more bracing acidity. I can kick back and relax and enjoy it. Um, yeah, go back to the duck. Any sort of um, uh, duck confit in this. Yeah, any sort of confis of any meat. How about the poor man's version? Carnitas torta. Oh, yeah. You could have this with <clears throat> a less spicier version. Yeah, that. that's well, I mean, with yeah. the torta, hopefully you've, um, you know, yeah, yeah. diminished some of the um, yeah. poppers. You can, so. you don't have to go, you know, just because it's from France and you never heard of the wine. You don't have to immediately go to a Michelin be, style yeah, dish. I think it might be a you can easily have yeah, this with everyday food. You know what I mean? It's like I, I haven't yep. had duck in a long time. <laughs> yeah, greasy carnitas uh, and this would be great. Okay, good to know. So instead of sitting at the burger joint, you could slip this wine in under your uh, in your backpack you know and take it to the there. We're joint. getting a little long take in the tooth to on the this episode. Yes. Every time. Yes. Okay, right good. there, Perfect. you go. There you yep. go. So we got one last wine, one last wine. And we've talked, we've kind of talked about this. This was a special find because usually I think this should be on 2019 vintage. I'm guessing most people in the store didn't even know what a must was. Can you hold that up was. again, Steve? Can we this get another from that Louis the, uh, Dresner label? guy who is moving over to your right, I think. Biodynamic awesome. and earthy and natural. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. So this is a 2015. It's already got about four years in the bottle of sitting in a nice uh, wine store wow. at temperature. It's not seeing light. It's not being exposed to heat or um, temperature variations. Uh, this is actually a single vineyard um, from this producer. This producer makes, you know, a whole bunch of different wines. The key is way over on the coast. This is not ripe at all. This is going to be more cantaloupe, melon. Um, you have the acidity levels again. Oh, um, interesting. Oysters. I mean, this is the... And salinity. There's always salinity in this wine. Um, like a mineral component to the wine. Salt there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's obviously, it's not getting salt and mineral from the ground into the grape. It's a sensation <laughs> of minerality. Yeah. This with oysters, you just say, keep bringing a dozen oysters. 
And I am going to kick back Logan's and drink this one. This, like lobster rolls every day, not oysters like it's a buffet. <laughs> so that was a muscadet, right? Yeah, muscadet. And that's a white wine? And then Yep, white wine. Like all the way over on the western side. So it's right there that's towards the, grape, the estuary. Right? The grape is the yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's cool. um it's right where the estuary of the Loire River is dumping out into the Atlantic. That is cool. When the river meets oh, the sea. Yeah. Just like, do you remember what wine was just like that? Albarino. When we did the Spanish whites. Albarino were just the system five, basically five estuaries. Right. And But that grape is totally different than the Muscadet. Same sort of geographical uh, locations. But different latitudes. Different climate, different weather. The Albarango is a little richer, more alcohol, more tropical. Mm. The Muscadet is more linear again, more wow. melon. Steve, you fruit, mentioned ripeness. And are, are all the, a little um, more acidity, embracing less being alcohol. That's only twelve percent. Times in different regions, or is it all sort of the same growth period? Is that something that you know, or does it even apply? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the sugar levels are changing as the longer it sits on the vine. Um, so it's a winemaker decision. Should I leave this on the vine a little bit longer, get riper? It will change the entire um, complexion of the wine after it's made. Or do I pick the, uh, it a little early and we have more acidity and we have a little less fruit, a little mentioned. less alcohol. Hedging, is the hedging your bets sort of a little more thing elegant. you were... That's a completely oh, that, winemaker that decision, even how they... Yeah, okay, gotcha. What's that? Well, yeah, a little, a little, yeah. Yeah. But in a region like this, who knows? There might be rains towards the end of the year. Bordeaux always has that issue. You better get those grapes off the vine before the big rains come. Um, so, yes, in a way, you're hedging. Your does bet. that, with this part of the world and the weather, does that raise the price of the wine? Because hey, you never know if you're gonna be able to. Probably these importers, all these these guys we talked usually about earlier with the monocles, a little, a little, the um, and then the producers the are also <laughs> producing much smaller quantities. No. <laughs> Peter Peter Weinberg. Yep. Yep. But um, Rosenthal and his. Some of these regions aren't well known. Sancerre, everybody knows Sancerre. Okay. Yeah. So Sancerre is all automatically. Doesn't even matter the quality of the vintage. Sancerre is going to be a little more expensive. Um, the difference between the Chinon and the Anjou, Steve, same grape, you different to, bend in the river, we had to different wrap location. This up, I, this but no one knows Anjou. Our longest episode Anjou's yet, a so little I wonder if less we should wrap it up. I wonder if we hit all your topics. I wonder if we can go long, but um, I. It, yeah, I mean, this oh, is fascinating. Okay. I, you mentioned something about this being a part one. Yep. Uh, on a level as well. Nope, we're good. We might need to we tap hit the into whole this river. More. We'll obviously tap into this more on our IG live when we do it. Um, but, okay, gotcha. We'll tap so into other we got the great river Valley. wine growing All rivers. Right. So wine growing re regions that have a river going through it. But yeah, this is great. No, it's it's great. I yep. I, I just I want to. And you know, uh, episode one, we touched on the Duero and, and in Spain. Nice so and tight yet informative, yeah. and you know, so I just I'm, I'm gauging how we covered your topic today. It's a lot of fun.
Yeah, we're good. I think we've covered everything. It's been, this is fun. Diving into these think, regions. Um, I think Ollie and I a have a couple of different uh, wine uh, varietals to try that we've start never heard about of. Wine, there's a couple that I've never even regional, dabbled in. Uh, capacity. Ingenue, and I think once I knock like, down both especially in bottles, Austin, like you, you a, have so much awesome If you pick one of these random bottles that Steve mentioned, you could probably, you know, I think what, 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 what I that's why I kept kind of like going, okay, well, what else? It's so interesting, uh, because you know, French foods kind of, you know, generally speaking, through yeah. trends, a bit on the decline. You know, there's not, I mean, there was a time where like bistros or lots of bistros, you know what I mean? You just don't, it's hard. I mean, steak frites, they don't happen in my world too often. I also think comfort food, comfort food and, and kind of a broader um, global palate is kind of, you know, yeah. there's so I much think it'll Asian be fun and Mexican to see how we can kind of uh, the, put the American you know, quote, twist, fine dining or, you know, these places. Uh, so you know, I was the trying West to like, Coast, Southwest go, hmm. American twist on, on the pairings with these, uh, in the weeks to come as we sort of uh, are processing all this <laughs> information Steve gave us. Yeah. Sushi is a great one. That's a good, because everyone I mean, has, who does not eat sure. sushi? Everyone has sushi. I mean, oysters, there's, yeah. there's, there's, and I think sushi was a great way to do yes. sushi. Well, sushi's big. Um, so, and I think there's something to be said about actually yeah. finding a good wine. Um, and I think sushi. Americans are like, probably yes, having sake um, sushi a little more at home these days. You know what I mean? You get the, the really good bottle of sake. Like, it's pandemic, empty, and I so spent $100. It, it makes sense to find wines that, because, you know, it's great to have a, a cold beer or a sake at a sushi mm -hmm. restaurant. But if you're going to do takeout sushi, I'd say wine's probably the, 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 the game to play. Yeah. So my last, I just had a really good sushi meal a couple weeks ago. Boom. Glass number one was a... Uh, champagne, and glass number two was a Chenin Blanc uh, from the Loire. There you go, so Chenin uh, Blanc and sushi. Let's What's up? up? That's why. That's the eat this, drink that, straight up. So informative, yes. Steve. You're a, a, a secret weapon of knowledge, <laughs> and it's always. I always have so much to wrap yeah. my mind around, and and I see Ollie's mind uh, spinning a little too. So this is great. I, I love it. I love it. I love learning all this new stuff and. The complexity of it, how to maybe try and simplify it as well. So this was really great. So yeah, it was. This is fun. Yeah, this awesome. It's a pleasure, you know, to to meet, you know, to have or, the nice guy Sam for a change. Or like you mentioned yeah. on that, IG uh, Live yesterday, Steve might just be a cop this whole time, and, and we don't even know. I don't so. deserve <laughs> to be in the same as him. Horror. Right. Yeah, I was working yesterday. <clears throat> I was staking out some house yesterday. Yeah, yeah you know, it, it was true. It was the dash cam. Hey, it's just a career here in California State. Yep. Yeah. I'm really an Steve FBI agent. And he's got the little shorts on from uh, like, you know, 911. Steve and his body cam. You know, like drinking wine. That's an old school reference. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you that might have All to right, be well, let's wrap it up, guys. Live. Thank you so yeah, much yeah. for another you, wonderful you episode. We are making it under the hour mark by 15 seconds. <laughs> that was just seconds, my phone. So I'm going to give myself props for that one. Anyways, talk right. to you guys soon. <laughs>